0: Good morning, Pathway. My name is David, and I will be reading two short passages of scripture. The first is from Acts chapter 7 and verses 37 and 38. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet, like me, from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. The second reading is from Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 18 to 24. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, It must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous, made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel.
1: Thank you, David. I don't have to go to church. Um, My faith is something that is between me and, and God. I'm a child of his and he's my father and I have a relationship with him and church is extra to that. This is a conversation I've had with a number of people very, very close to me, (laughs) family, friends alike, over the last couple of years. If you go to Pathway to Life, you know that we are busy, and Shanae prayed for that. Seeking in many ways as we believe God is leading us to extend the church in an area of our city where we believe God wants to have a strong presence of church. But what does that look like? At at what point will you say, what is there in Pathway Shed? There's a church. What does church look like in the case of an individual who says, my relationship with God is between me and God. Church is accessory to that, right? What is it that makes us say that what we're doing here this morning is, is church? <laughs> what is church? <laughs> That's the question, right? That's the question that, that, that I have come to realize for myself and and in many conversations that I've had over the last, really the last two, three years, is 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 a confusing question to people. It's confusing to Christians. You need to ask three Christians what church is and you'd get perhaps three very different answers. And so for the next four or five weeks, I want us to look at that. I want us to spend our time here on Sunday mornings delving into this question because I think it is going to determine how how you as an individual perhaps engage with the church. It's going to shape a lot of the decisions we make in extending the church as a church. Uh, It's going to, I think, just really help us to understand God's heart for his church. That's what we're going to do. Now, let me, before I lob into today's message, just say, if you're new to church, um, we're going to jump around a lot in the Bible today. And my fear is that it's going to be confusing and and just information overload. Please don't stress if a lot of the stuff that we sort of do today just flies over your head. Look, I'll key you in here and there and say, look, at least get this today, making sure that it's useful for everybody. My, my fear is that it's not, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a different kind of seriousness and it's a different kind of sermon with, 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 with yeah, a lot of things that we don't usually do. I owe two authors. Uh, one is a, a guy called Michael Horton. The other one is a past lecturer of mine, a dude named Bruce Pass. A lot of credit for what I'm going to do. Uh, And so i just shout that out so you don't think that this is my brilliant work that I'm doing you this morning. It's not. (laughs) Uh, My job is to work out how it relates to us and where it matters for us. And that's that's my job. Um, But let's go. Okay, what is church? Today we're just going to look at two words in the Bible used for church. That's the starting point. We'll look at the words, right? The first word is the New Testament's word used for church. It is the word, oh, Phil, I think you're going to have to flick something in the back for me. Um, yeah, great, thanks. The New Testament part of the Bible is written originally in the Greek language. The word used for church is ecclesia. It literally just means getting together, an assembly. Of people, or, or, or a gathering of people. So you have the verse behind you there, where there's this out uproar, outbreak of stuff in Acts, and I don't want to take you through the whole story, but eventually the the um, uh, the, the, the officials and the Romans say, "Look, if this this uh, riot that Paul and others have caused need to be settled in a legal assembly. They're saying, no, 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 you've got to settle this in a, in, a, in a court, right? The word they use literally is church. This has to be settled in a legal church. <laughs> Simple as that. Gathering, assembling, getting together. That's the word that we're given in the New Testament. Which leads me to draw the first conclusion that I want us to get today and this really confronted me. I think I've drifted in my own thinking about church a bit on this. Church is first and foremost an event. It's something we do. (laughs) It, It is a Gathering, it is a getting together, right? (laughs) You might ask right at the outset, but uh, what about the footy club or the book club? Or the, I mean, those are gatherings too, right? And you can even be further thinking, what if it's a book club that only Christians go to? Is that a church? we're going to dig more into that question this morning, later on, and in the weeks to come. But, but the, what makes the church gathering unique is its purpose. Why does it gather? What is it gathering to do? For now, I just want to already make this point of application that, that I... And, and you think for yourself. For me, I, I think I've come to think quite often lately as the church church as in the gathering of the church as a means to an end the end is that we need to be the church wherever we are monday to saturday and the sunday's gathering is of the gathering because it doesn't have to be sundays is to kind of Prepare us, fill us, get us ready, the means for the end, which happens outside of our gathered and assembled state. Right? Is this what you thought? You think about it carefully. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying for a minute that you don't have to be the church Monday to Saturday. You do. <laughs> We do. But it's not the primary intention. The primary root meaning of ecclesia is gather. It's come together, right? And you might say, well, is the church then not the church when it's not gathered? When we all go away from here, from now till next Sunday, are we not the church? You are the church. And the Bible speaks of us as the church, the church as the church, even in its non-gathered state, but not primarily. Primarily, first and foremost, the church is the church when it's assembled, when it's gathered, when it gets together, right? Right off the bat, it's, it's quite, a, quite a confronting thing. So, so, so here's the question then. What is the purpose What is it that makes this gathering unique and primary in the designs of God? The answer for that we have to find by looking back in history. And I want to illustrate it to us because I don't want you to fall asleep. So can I have two volunteers to come and help me please? I need two. Yeah, anyone, just go for it. Um, Don't all go at once. Gabe and Claire, thank you very much. Don't stress, you don't have to say anything (laughs) or do anything. I've got a really cool book here that doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Grace. Now, can I ask Claire and Gabe, can you guys pull this out for me? Oh my goodness, we'll go this way. You've got to hold that end and Gabe, you've got to hold this end. Ooh, maybe (laughs) with Grace. Is Grace on Zoom, Phil? You shouldn't see this. (laughs) All right. How cool is that? Maybe can I get a third person to help? (laughs) Come on, Anna or Martin. Yeah, can you guys just go around and grab the back and sturdy it for me? We'll leave it on the... Will we lift it up? Let's have a go lifting it up a bit. Okay, one, two, three, let's lift it up. This is, this is a timeline of, of the world, of human history. Uh, it, it, it's about more than just a biblical story, but we'll, we'll, we'll focus on that part. I'm not going to get these guys to stand here for the next remainder of the sermon, but I'll, but I'll just point you to the places we need to stop off in the story to get our understanding of what is so unique about this gathering. Where are we going to stop off? We're going to stop off at a place... Here, more or less in the biblical story, a bit further, well, much further here, okay? Uh, There's a place in the Bible called Mount Sinai. Right? God rescues a group of people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt. He says, from you group of people, I'm going to bring Jesus. But it's a long road before Jesus comes. He rescues them from slavery in Egypt and then he brings them. He gathers them, he assembles them at a place called Mount Sinai. We're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at another place called the temple. It sort of is very important for the whole period of history until we get to Jesus. And then... We live kind of here, actually here is us. But really to understand why we gather, we've got to look way at the future at what's not even happened yet and what's going to happen. And then we'll get this understanding of what is so unique about this gathering. Okay, thank you guys. You can, <laughs> you can <laughs> pop it down. I might ask Gabe if you can fold it up for us. You had the head end, Claire. Anna was very helpful in making me some props for this week. Mount Sinai. The verse that David read to us comes from the book of Acts. It's actually in this part of the story. Remember, Stephen, the first guy, was a martyr. He preaches a sermon just before his death. Long sermon of the history of the Jewish people. And in it, he says this. This is the Moses, because he spoke about Moses. God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. That prophet is Jesus. This Moses was in the assembly in the wilderness. He's talking about Sinai. And the Hebrew word for the assembly is kahol. Importantly, the word for assembly in your New Testament is church. This is the Moses who was in the church in the desert. In the church at Mount Sinai. God gathers his people at Mount Sinai to do what? What? three things were done. It's in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. I cannot read the two chapters. I won't explain everything, but here is the bottom line. Here's what they did. God spoke to his people. He gave them ten commandments. He says, I am your God. You are my people. This is what it means to be my people. The people spoke to God. They prayed. There was a dialogue between the people and God, right? And sacrifices were made for the forgiveness of sin. The word was spoken. God spoke to his people. His people spoke to him. Sacrifices were made. All of that through Moses. Moses is the guy who's the intermediary. And the result of all that, I really invite you to go and read Exodus chapter 19 and 20. You caught a little bit of it in Hebrews. What did God do? God says, I am going to show myself to my people. He reveals himself. <laughs> the story is a bit unique. They can't bear it. They, they say, no, we don't want to see God. It's too much for us. Moses, you see God on our behalf. And even Moses sees only a part of God, but here is the purpose, friends. Where does God show himself? Where does God reveal himself to his people? In the church, in the gathering, in the assembly, in the desert. That is where they see him. That is where they encounter him. That is through the word that he speaks to them, through the prayers that he receives and through the sacrifices that are made. And you know what? This reality lives on all the way through the Old Testament, um, through through a place that God eventually points out that there's a temple that we looked at. Uh, You know, in the temple, what is the purpose of the temple all throughout the Old Testament? Three times a year, God says, all your men, and the women were part of that as well, you shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. Three times, three feasts, right? Three times a year Israel gathers. To do what? When all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them. Assemble the people, so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God, follow carefully all the words of this law. Gather at the temple so that God can speak to you. Gather at the temple. This is what Solomon says when he dedicates the temple. When a prayer or a plea is made by anyone among your people, being aware of the afflictions of their own hearts, spreading out their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. The people pray at the temple when they gather. There's 4, Leviticus there, he talks about the animals that are sacrificed at the temple. It's a bit gross to us, but it's very important in the Old Testament. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering. It will be accepted on your behalf, to make atonement for you. You see? Three times a year you shall gather the people that I may speak to them, that they may speak to me, that sacrifices are made for the forgiveness of sin. And there, in that temple, God says I'll put my presence. There I will show myself to them in these assemblies. There's still Israel between these feasts. But there's a heightened sense of what it means to be the people of God when they're assembled and when they hear from God and when they speak to God and when sacrifices are made and when the presence of God is encountered. You see, there's something about experiencing God in an assembled state that is above the way He is encountered in any other way. It's always the way He's wanted it. It's always the way He has designed it. My family lives spread over many states. We're always a family. But there's a heightened experience of what it means to be a family when we're together. Right? And so we get to the point of Jesus and our time where we live in. Before I look at that, Ah, I get quite emotional about this because it's so good. Go with me to Hebrews. Christians now need to work out: Jesus came. What are we going to do? What what does it mean for the people of God now, after Jesus? And and the best place to do it in the Bible is in the Book of Hebrews, and, and this is the passage that he wrote towards the end. It's incredible. Listen to what he says to us. You you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that's burning with fire, to darkness, to gloom and to storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they couldn't bear what was commanded. If an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear to be in the presence of God. You, you haven't come to that mountain, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly in church to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven you have come to God the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to Jesus the new Moses the mediator of a new era a new covenant and to Jesus' blood the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel do you know what he's talking about? he's talking about the future he's not talking about now He's talking about the end of all of human history, of this long line of human existence. And you know what is going to be the pinnacle and the apex and the sweetest of all that God is doing? It is going to be a gathering, a church, where you, with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels and in other parts of the Bible, with every nation Tribe, language, tongue will be gathered, and, and you are going to not just hear the word of God from some bold guy who can't keep it together. You're going to have the word, Jesus, who's going to speak to you. Right? Your, your prayers is not going to go in some, some way. It's going to be Jesus who will represent you in your presence there at the assembly before the Father. You're not going to remember the Lamb of God and the sacrifice of God by bread and wine. You're going to to be with Him. (laughs) He will be there in in, in person, in flesh, in real, and and Him you will encounter. In that way, you're going to experience the presence of God where He will show Himself to you in full. You see, when we say that church is an end in itself, it's literally where it's going to end. It's going to end in church. (laughs) Right? I'm not saying heaven's going to be a perpetual church service, but I think there will be a marked event like Sinai. And from then on, we'll do our things. But we'll gather, I think with the word speaking to us and us speaking to him and he revealing his love to us in the sacrifice he made. No. Okay, what about now? Let's finish up. We're not sacrificing animals here because the sacrifice was done. We do the Lord's Supper and every week we ought to remember, because of blood spilt, that we get to gather. The Word, God, speaks to us
0: every time we gather.
1: But, but in a better way than they have had it in the Old Testament, not as good as it will be then, but, but the Holy Spirit. God says, I will take my word and I will speak it to them. I will write my law on their hearts. You have a a power to hear and understand and accept the word of God that they never had, right? And you have it in a unique way when we gather. Our prayers, when Shanae prays, every single word is heard in the heavenly council to God the Father, because Jesus prays it right next to him. That's why the prayer of a girl here is immensely powerful in the universe. Because Jesus has ascended, he's praying. And when he speaks, it's his spirit who speaks. It's not some priest, right? (laughs) Do you get how unique this is? You, do you get what we get to have when we assemble, when we say that the purpose of our assembly is that God may speak to us and we <laughs> may speak to him and we may remember that it's all possible because of that sacrifice? Uh, let's then get back to the questions of the beginning. I <laughs> Church is optional, it's not, it's not optional. On the last day at the great gathering, God's not going to walk with you alone. You're there or you're not. Right? It's not option. In terms of what actually happens here on a Sunday morning, we can we can run tests, right, and think. I, I think there are some things that do happen here in our assemblies that do reflect that last reality. It's supposed to. That last gathering is like gathering with the sun. and Our gatherings here on a Sunday morning should be like a sun ray that already reflects that in kind, but it's nowhere near as powerful as it will be. Sometimes we get that right. Donna said to me the other day, you know, she, she was unable to be in church for a while. Um, it was COVID. It was many things went wrong, and just for some weeks it was not possible. Uh, you know, between being rostered on and, and COVID and such. And, and that, that kept on for a while. And then when Jeremiah preached two or three weeks ago, I was away in Brisbane, and, and, and she said to me, and I have the permission to share this, she said, Oh, look, I didn't really want to go to church on Sunday. But I did. And man. I was blessed. There was something of God that I encountered in that gathering on that day that made me leave here and say, "Praise God, I was there." Now we don't often know what it is; it's mysterious to us. But you know, often when you leave church, something happened, and it was deep, and it was meaningful, and it was healing, and it was encouraging, and it was comforting, and it was confronting. And it was all those things at a very deep level. Do you know why? Because it is in the assembly of God where you have encountered the risen and present living Lord Jesus who is here with us and is here with us in an extent that he is not with you when you are alone in your own devotions. At least, that is the way it should be every Sunday. Every Sunday. This morning, yet not I but Christ in me Boiled me tears because of this. That's what it should do. Because that's what happens in the assembly. That's what should happen. So we get that right at times and in some measure. <laughs> and we always ought to aim to. But we often don't. We often forget perhaps as preachers and teachers, what is supposed to happen, that God is speaking his word. Perhaps we forget that our prayers, where they go and what they mean. Perhaps church often becomes about entertainment, consumerism, the Western church is way off when it comes to what church is about, right? (laughs) When we think of And I'm just about done. East Devonport to get back to that from the beginning. What is church? Notice that the New Testament is conspicuously silent about how God wants to speak to his people, how they should pray. We're not given an order of service. We're not told what days we should meet. We're not told where we should meet. We're not told... <laughs> None of that. And so, and so there is something that, that we, we ought to come at, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a humble level and say in whatever gathering we're talking about, whether this is 10 people at a home or 5,000 in a church in Korea, are the people gathered to hear their God speak to them. They speak to him. They remember the sacrifice and the presence of God is encountered. If that happens, you've got church. You've got church. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are what you do, you don't have church. That's the starting bid. (laughs) We'll talk more. Over the weeks to come, there are many questions that come from this. They won't be all this long, but I believe it's worth it. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us for perhaps how we underestimate what is supposed to happen when we gather pray for all churches pray for churches that are yet to be that you would be as Hebrews said the great worship leader who leads us in worship along the ways that you intended for us God that we would hear you speak us that we would know that you Lord Jesus are speaking for us and in some ways appropriately remember and be fed by the sacrifice that you made thank you for church it's so good it means so much Thank you for our church. Thank you for our moments where you meet with us and feed us and help us and correct us and listen to us. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.